Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to a good football show. I'm your host, Pat Corain. With me today is Patrick Darty, Kyle Javorchek, and Davis Maddock, our special guest here of Sports Grid and of the Take Cast. Guys, how's it going? Very Amazing. good. I'm uh, yeah, I'm very engaged in this podcast. Currently drafting Michael Carter in the eighth round of a DK best ball draft. Well, that's very apt because we are going to be talking about DraftKings best ball. Pat just didn't decide to to draft during the pod. It's actually related to our topic today. I did want to just mention off the top, it is a Tuesday. Uh, Normally, a good football show has not been going on a Tuesday, but that is going to be the case going forward. So Tuesday at 2.30, look for us on YouTube. Um, Look for that in your podcast feed. We'll be adding this show as we get into the heart of drafting season. And to kind of kick that off, wanted to talk a little bit about the DraftKings best ball tournament because our listeners, I, I can certainly speak for myself, have been much more over on underdog. And I haven't been as in the weeds on DraftKings, but I know that Kyle and Davis have. So I wanted to talk to you guys, and Pat is kind of catching up uh, last minute cramming. Uh, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about kind of the differences. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis, let me let me start with you. What's kind of like the overall kind of drafting environment? Like the the scoring is is similar. It's P, it's PPR instead of half PPR. It's twenty rounds instead of eighteen rounds. I think that essentially covers the main differences in the two formats. But what's the like drafting environment like on DraftKings right now compared to on Underdog? 
Well, I mean, just the the fact of the matter is Underdog is doing a big marketing push. They are pushing a lot of people to the platform. And I would guess they do not have 1% of the registered users that DraftKings does. Like if you look at total number of emails that Underdog has associated to an account, my guess is that it would not be 1% of the people who have registered for a DraftKings account. Maybe it's 5% and maybe I need to give Jeremy Levine and our friends more credit. But the fact of the matter is, There are just a lot more people playing on DK, and those people are not logging in to do best ball drafts. They're logging in to play NASCAR DFS or tennis DFS or baseball DFS, but it's on the same platform. They're like, oh, you know, I'll go do a best ball draft. So the the first thing is the player pool just is not as intelligent. Um, I'm I'm sorry. It's just just the fact that the drafts are true. The drafts are softer. You cannot import a CSV of your rankings. So on Underdog, you could do your own rankings or you could download rankings from your fantasy football website of choice, input those. So you could basically kind of be drafting off of a skeleton key. You can't do that on DraftKings. Uh, also, I, I, an element that people I think don't realize is the bonuses on DraftKings make stacking super important because a spiked week on DraftKings, like if your quarterback throws for 350 yards, and has multiple 100-yard wide receivers, it's it's like a 12-point difference between what it would be on underdog with the bonuses, and I don't think people have been keying in on that enough in their draft. So it's it's kind of like drafting on easy mode, is my basic opinion. Yeah, there's just a lot, like, the percentage of people in the DraftKings lobby that eat glue on a regular basis is infinitely higher than on underdog. Like, underdog, I swear, like, I've done, I haven't done a ton of drafts on there because I don't want to say it's, like, solved by any means, but the drafters there are so much sharper. You are fighting for very small edges. Where on DraftKings, like, you can just jam in some of these, like, really sick 20-team, 20 20-player 20 teams. And, uh, yeah, it's just not, you don't get as good of teams on underdog because you're playing against better competition. The, the members of underdog drafts are like avid listeners of this show like etr subscribers they got there because they are super into best ball like my friends who are just casual football they're browns fans they're all like casual browns fans probably do not know what underdog is maybe one or two of them do they all have DraftKings accounts just like davis said they all have DraftKings accounts some of them might have been playing an nba showdown contest and got a ticket to the the best ball championship and don't even know what best ball is so like i think you are just playing your, your ROI is just going to be higher. Like that's just straight up. Your ROI is going to be higher playing on DraftKings, which is why so far I have more of my action there. I don't know why you guys are saying the player pool is softer. I am a best ball expert <laughs> and uh, not just learning on the fly at DraftKings whatsoever. Um, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Pat, how is your draft going right now? Um, I'm in the 10th round. I just double stacked um, as Davis would say. Uh, I had Amazing. Mahomes. I was the noob. I went Mahomes. And I have Tyreek, and I just took Nicole Hardman in the ninth round, which made me feel like taking a shower. I'm gonna, I'm going to lose. Let's just be real. But uh, I now have Nicole Hardman on my DraftKings best ball team. Davis, if you took a shower every time you drafted Nicole Hardman, I, I imagine you'd just be constantly. Wet. <laughs> I, I would just have dry skin. My skin would, yeah, my skin would be so dried out. My hair would be, it would be all a mess. I mean, uh, I actually think Pat did just hit on something there, though, because there tends go. to be. So I think on DraftKings specifically, because you tend to get more players that you actually like after the 10th round, I think it does free you up to do more elite quarterback teams. So Mahomes, Josh Allen, 
Dak Prescott, because uh, when you're doing this on underdog, you find yourself sitting there in the 13th round. Like, well, I guess I'm taking Gabriel Davis as my wide receiver four, and he better give me points because I'm super screwed if he doesn't. And I, I find myself in that conundrum a little bit less on DraftKings. And so I, I feel, and, and you know, to uh, add on to that, you can even take a second quarterback that you like, like the Dak Prescott, Trey Lance grouping is one that I don't think I would do very often on underdog as Lance is up to like 115 ADP on underdog, but he's still like 130 on DK. So it kind of changes some of uh, what you're doing combinatorically with your rosters. Yeah. One thing that jumped out to me a little bit, and this could be wrong. I've only done a few of them, but it seemed like there's actually more quarterbacks available late on underdog than on DraftKings. And so as a result, that would be another reason to just take the elite quarterback because it's not just that the skill players are drying up quicker on underdog which they definitely are but there's quarterback values like guys that you can use as a quarterback three build very easily on underdog in the 16th 17th and 18th round but on DraftKings maybe not so much so you're better off probably with the two elite quarterback build anyway see pat you're saying the quarterbacks go quicker on DraftKings. by the way would that explain why uh mitchell trubisky is my qb1 (laughs) (laughs) i waited too long and uh yeah so it's it's not that it's not the the Dak Lamar Kyler tier that goes earlier it's the Tom Brady Kirk Cousins Trevor Lawrence group that goes a little bit earlier on on uh, on DK is what I found what about other kind of structures like in terms of let's say the running backs like I know you know hyper fragile is a build that a lot of people are doing a lot of last year on underdog um works especially with the half point PPR but it's a I found it a little bit harder to do this year. Is that a build you guys are interested in doing on DraftKings, or does the PPR kind of keep you away from that? When and hyper fragile, by the way, is is basically four running backs, usually all pretty early, and then you stop and don't take any more. So what you will see on DK more often is guys that you hate to take, like Josh Jacobs, maybe Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, even David Montgomery. Is like I've just found that due to the like sort of chaotic nature of the draft rooms, is every once in a while you'll be able to snipe around like literally I drafted Josh Jacobs in the sixth round the other day, or around eight Travis Etienne, or around ten Raheem Mostert, and the the two extra roster spots I am mostly using to draft a fifth or sixth running back, which I know I have never drafted a running back, but on DK, (laughs) I am drafting uh, a fifth and sixth one every once in a while, especially because the guys I'm taking on other best ball platforms anyways, Daryl Williams, uh, Darrington Evans, Ramondre Stevenson, you you can select with your your 20th round pick. Are you doing something similar, Kyle? Yeah, that's what I was going to say is the it is like the perfect spot where I think like even last year I was like like hammering some pretty like sketchy wide receivers at the end of like all of my drafts on any platform. And I think people have gone so running back heavy early that they aren't they're just letting that final tier of like 10 to 15 not very good running backs but running backs that will give you startable weeks and still have upside they're letting them go like borderline undraft like i think a perfect one is justin jackson joshua kelly whichever one you like like they almost go undrafted in Mm -hmm. in dk 20 round draft so i'm gonna end up i'm just gonna say i'm gonna take one or the other in almost every single draft because i don't want to say that i confidently know which one is which but like those guys from andre stevenson was another perfect one where like he is almost completely free in dk drafts and he's the type of guy where like it's either him or like 
like Marquez Callaway or someone like I don't even know like like Marquez Callaway in an ideal world is just a punt returner for his team like maybe he gets elevated to a larger role like we saw last year but Ramondre Stevenson his team clearly actually wants him to have a role from week one Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly could have that same argument and like you said with Daryl Williams he could just beat out uh, or <laughs> Damian Williams there are too many D Williams on that or used to be on that team like Damian could just straight up be the third down pass catching back for his team there are guys with so like reasonably fantasy relevant roles that then also have obviously just the generic guy ahead of them gets hurt, takes on a bigger role type of upside. And I just don't think you see that with the receivers, like the receivers at the end of these drafts, I just can't stomach taking any of these guys. When I know that like my really fun zero RB guys, I can still get in the final 17, 18, 19th round on DK specifically, I'd say. Yeah. I wonder if that ultimately changes as we move through the summer because there's so much ambiguity and it's not fun right now to take Justin Jackson. You know, there's like reports on the athletic that maybe he's a guy he's in that veterans who might get cut article on the athletic. And it's not fun to take a guy who you think might get cut, but eventually someone's going to emerge as kind of the clear cut running back two in Los Angeles uh, for the chargers. The jets will also have their backfield shake out a little bit more. So part of me feels like that's exactly the way to play it. Getting those late round running backs, not just because the ADP kind of pushes you in that direction, but because this is the time of year where those guys are going to go there. And in another month or two, everyone's going to have a lot more confidence about which guy to take. And therefore they're going to go early. Kyle Duke, what do you think about that? Yeah, I would think that's uh that's a good way to look at it. Just as a side note, if anyone wants to know who like on which site underdog or DraftKings, who is going higher, I painstakingly pulled the DraftKings ADP, which like you oh cannot my just gosh. you cannot just like go like like there's a good sites for for underdog ADP. Like four for four has good underdog ADP. Just fucking copy and paste it, and that's it. Whereas I had to go and like not quite manually pull everything, but I pulled almost uh I pulled like top 200 DraftKings. And one thing I found really interesting was despite DraftKings literally giving you more points for receptions, running backs still go slightly like the exact same. They actually technically go like marginally earlier. It doesn't really matter, but they go about the same. Whereas like we should just be hammering wide receivers. You're going to get so many in like the middle rounds of your drafts. You're going to get so many good wide receiver weeks because of that full PPR. Whereas on, on underdog, at least they have a, a bit more balance to just a, a half PPR. And DraftKings drafters just don't seem to really be understanding how much more valuable these like wide receiver to like, let's say 15 through 36. Those weeks are going to be so valuable out of those guys where I'm fine spending. I'm, you know, it's NBC. We're always fine just hammering wide receiver. But I think even more so on DraftKings, people don't seem to have accounted for the difference between the, the positions. So just anyone needs to know the difference between uh, a player on underdog and DK, I can tell you because uh, please don't let this work go to waste. It was so hard. Just so much like oh, straight man. up copying. I can't, and pasting. I, can't believe, I can't believe you did it. Like it's something that I like when Pat told me we were doing this show, I was like, you know, it'd be nice to be able to reference the ADP like outside of being in an actual draft, but it's not available anywhere, which is incredible. So our, our friends over at uh, DraftKings.com, some more resources maybe the ability to access this on desktop i i would imagine the desktop stuff has something to do with legality but it would be amazing if we could get some adp or uh, an api or anything like that i'm just the human api so it sounds like kyle maybe committed a federal crime yeah <laughs> potentially i, I didn't, I didn't scrape their data though it was like i think you were like <laughs> legally not allowed to scrape some certain sites Deva. i didn't scrape their data it was like it wasn't quite typing it out by hand but god it felt like it <laughs> 
So because Denny's not here to fire, you're going to get Kyle arrested. Is that how this works? Yeah, I'm back? just yeah, the, the, yeah, the uh, the bit with Kyle will be referring him to the FBI or the U.S. Marshals, and uh, that's our new bit. Kyle will be really fun. That like that like reminds me when I used to make graphs and charts, like when Rotoviz was first starting in like 2014, and like didn't know anything about Excel or whatever, and I'd have to go like I'd have to go like manually fill like I'd manually fill in like guys 40 times and then if they ever finished as like a wide receiver two or better but it was like all manual like I would go to footballguys.com and their historical stuff and go check like how many times did Marvin Harrison finish as a wide receiver like it was awful and Kyle you basically did that in 2021 there's no other way they don't want you to do it but I had to know did you did any guys jump out to you Kyle uh there is I can sort but oh this was one that is uh I think very indicative of where underdog drafters are. Ben Roethlisberger has such a different, like he goes so much higher on DraftKings. He's still like top end quarterback three, bottom end quarterback two, but like underdog drafters refuse to take this guy, which is really interesting because underdog drafters are not like completely dead on the Pittsburgh offense. They're not like none of these guys are going to produce. I think it's uh, like, I don't want to say in this instance, DraftKings drafters are being sharper. I just think they've kind of found their way to the better equilibrium where like, we cannot be incredibly excited about Chase Claypool. Think Deontay Johnson has this like second breakout season coming and still think Juju Smith-Schuster is like a survivable slot option. And also Najee Harris gets like 60 targets and Eric Ebron still has good weeks and say Ben Roethlisberger is just completely dead. And I, I hate to be the guy going to bat for Ben Roethlisberger in any scenario because I am not excited to go out and watch him play. But if they look even half what they looked like last year with how they play, I know they're going to run more like, they're somehow going to run the ball more, even though their offensive line got worse. This is an offense that I think like Ben Roethlisberger stacks are not, they're the most disgusting stacks that mathematically just make sense. They're like a David Johnson pick where you're like, Dude, well, David well Johnson. the ADP, the ADPs of all the players don't make any sense unless Ben Roethlisberger's ADP is bad because Najee is a mid second round. And then the other three wide receivers all are off the board by like pick 81 on both sides. So either all of those ADPs are wrong or Ben Roethlisberger's ADP is wrong. Um, Cause like I, and Leone made this point to me the other day that like Deontay and Juju specifically are expected to get there on receptions, but on underdog at half point PPR, I mean, 12 catches in a game is six points. Like, you know, it's just, it's not an, it's not really enough to swing it uh, in half point PPR. I don't think. Yeah. That's just, I've kind of been playing it mostly Claypool cause he's the explosive guy and haven't been drafting the other guys and I have no interest in Roethlisberger, but I, I have been sort of talking myself into Roethlisberger a little bit on underdog because he is so cheap, but that kind of goes to the kind of the larger thing here of like what's available in these late rounds. Um, and if it's not quarterback, maybe going with some of these premium stacks, which that's, that's pretty enticing. One guy that jumped out to me, and maybe it's just because I can't stop drafting him. Antonio Gibson seems like he falls a little bit later here in DraftKings, or at least he doesn't seem to be getting like a PPR bump. And that since the upside case for him is like entirely, he, he just plays a lot more on receiving downs. Um, he's someone that's really jumped out as like a potential value. Um, any other players, Davis, that have kind of jumped out to you as like guys who just you just are consistently getting behind where you would an underdog? Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore, both of those guys' ADPs have not adjusted up as quickly. Uh, same for Henry Ruggs. Like it's it's kind of like it's kind of like those potential breakout wide receivers, rookie wide receiver. Now, Jamar Chase actually goes, I think, a little bit ahead on DK where he goes an underdog. But overall, like just your 
boring well some of the boring value wide receivers like Jameson Crowder and things like that also go very late and I think maybe it's a function of underdog ADP refreshing every night and I if Kyle you could you would know more about this than me since you just pulled it all by hand I think DK refreshes once a week maybe maybe a little bit more often than that but just being in the applet um, I haven't noticed it refresh more often than that I have no clue. They would not forfeit that information to me, uh, how often they refresh it. Because I literally did it this morning in preparation of the show. But uh, so I think a few of the players we've touched on all kind of hit to the point where uh, I, I just like, if you could blanket state how we feel about someone like Henry Ruggs and Clyde Hilaire and, and Antonio Gibson, it would just be the hype guys. It's the guys that as drafts yeah. go on from May 3rd until you know july 31st august whatever they're the guys that i think the market just wants to continue getting more excited on and the DraftKings market is significantly slower to catch up like i'm not saying they're not changing it is just a slower uh acclimatization where yeah pat was the perfect example was antonio gibson it's it's not a ton but i believe he goes three picks yeah he goes three picks later on DraftKings. but like three picks could get you like the difference between having him as part of your team when you're drafting like uh, you know that late second round that turn or not getting him where you're like he's i don't want to say even efficient because i'm still drafting him on underdog but he's closer to efficient on underdog because they are just keeping up a little more so it's sort of like if you think about like uh betting nba props i know it's a tangent betting nba props someone gets ruled out and you're like i, I gotta go find the slowest book and i gotta go hammer whatever the backup point guards prop if there is news like Elijah Moore is another perfect one where he like he's going to be going so much earlier that just the more and more we get into the summer and realize that like Denzel Mims is hardly going to make the roster. Keelan Ooh. Cole, oh, not like, you know, Keelan Cole, not really going to be a massive contributor. It's going to be a three set of Corey Davis, Jameson Crowder and Elijah Moore. And Elijah Moore is going to blow us away with how explosive he is. The more and more we get those puff pieces from the athletic or from even the Jets site, the more those guys are going to go up. If you want to get closing line value on your players where you look at your team at the end of summer and see that you see that oh hey i got this guy in the eighth round and now he's a seventh rounder i think you're going to be able to do that a little more on DraftKings. like i think gibson's the perfect example where he's just going to keep climbing and climbing he'll climb a little slower on dk i've got two quick tangents yeah what what people it seems like height like ramondre stevenson we're in the the 17th 16th round and he doesn't even appear close to getting drafted like he, he's low and like the like the pre-ranks and and you, and you were led to believe by Patrick Corain that you needed him in every draft. Well, no, I've had well, friends reach out saying that they were concerned about Ramondre Stevenson shares. I was also led Jefferson. to believe by myself. I did uh, my own rookie rankings this year and I intentionally did not read Corain's before I did mine. Cause I didn't want to be like too heavily influenced. And Ramondre was one. I came out like this dude's a power runner. Who's not a zero in the passing game. Like I'm kind of like all in on this and this Patriots offense. So I've been trying to work with uh, my new edger, Corain, and moving the Stevenson ADP up, and we are apparently not succeeding. <laughs> Can we not do edger? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, what if we good. called it anything else? Anything <laughs> else? <laughs> uh, so I want to throw something out there. Uh, would like uh, you know, Corain? Uh, you can maybe take the first crack at this. Uh, are like to me, it seems like we're probably going to want to be at least like marginally, just a few percentage points more likely to stack on DraftKings, just because the points are going to correlate more. I think Davis touched on this earlier, but you get the bonuses where like you only get the bonus. Obviously, if your quarterback hits three hundred, he's probably going to have a receiver. What would you say? I guess like how much more willing are you to i don't want to say reach for a stack but at least 
go overboard to get your stack. I just think it's got to be another like maybe 5% more likely that you don't want to reach a round and a half to get, you know, Russell Wilson after taking DK Metcalf. But I think I'm just going to continue pushing to get like all three of my quarterback stack, unless they're running quarterback or all two, all three, all two, and make sure every single one has at least one, like one expensive receiver or multiple cheap receivers. Cause you know, if you get Zach Wilson going off, it's probably not just like Keelan Cole slightly outperforms ADP. It's probably multiple guys. If the guys are cheap or the expensive guy can be the only guy to go off. So like how much more willing are you to say have all of your quarterbacks have multiple receivers or tight ends with them. Well, it's tricky in terms of like building with the quarterbacks because in a way like your opportunity cost is higher to select the quarterback as well because guys are falling to you that you didn't, you know, that you wouldn't expect to fall to you if you're used to drafting an underdog, right? So if, you, if there's all this value in rounds five, six, seven to then take the detour and grab the quarterback feels a little bit tougher. And so I, I've only done two of these and both, the earliest quarterback I selected was Hertz in both got him at pick 81, but I did on one of them. I noticed that uh, Russell Wilson was really hanging out. He let, he lasted until like the late seventh. I didn't have any stacking pieces with him, but I think what, what kind of occurred to me and, and the bonus point is a really good one. I didn't mention that in the difference between the scoring. I think that's really key. It makes me wonder if, you know, prioritizing a guy like Lockett when you're kind of breaking ties because you know, like Wilson might be one of the guys you can get cheaper. Um, or if there's guys you can backdoor stack with an elite quarterback, like if Kyler falls to where you feel like he's, you know, a good value, or at least not, you're not giving up too much of a value grabbing him because he's so easy to backdoor stack, backdoor stack with Rondo Moore and Christian Kirk. So that's the kind of stuff that comes to mind for me. But Davis, I'd love to hear kind of how you're building the, the elite quarterback teams. I mean, I I disagree with kind of the more value sensitive, like or you know, more more stack agnostic approach, anyways, because I think the value of of the stacks is super important once you get to the playoff weeks. I I agree with the idea that over the course of the the now fourteen week regular fantasy season, that like you know, reaching around to, to close out your Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel stack. You know, you take Trey Lance in the ninth round on whatever site instead of the 10th round or the 11th round, and you're giving up value that way. Like, I, I agree that that hurts your projected points for those weeks, but it clearly helps your projected points for the money weeks. Like, you, like let's say you you get your, your team is good enough. You have your, you know, your James Robinson and your Steph Diggs equivalent from last season on this team. And you also have Trey Lance with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. You, regardless of the value you gave up, you are so much rather, from a projected points perspective in Week 17, going to want to have that correlated QB stack. And I also think, and this argument has been shot down by everyone I've ever brought it up to, so I'm I'm ready for you guys to do this too. <laughs> But when you do reach to close out a stack one direction, whether it be reaching on Michael Gallup to close the Dak Prescott stack, reaching on Trevor Lawrence to close the Shark LaVisca stack, whatever it may be, it does get you into weirder, non-common roster constructions of where the pairings of players are going to be more uncommon. So again, I acknowledge this is bad for your weeks one through 13 outcomes, but it is clearly good in my opinion, for your weeks 14 through 17 outcomes. And that's my take, and I'm sticking to it. Every team on DraftKings looks weird 
it looks incredibly weird. True. To me. So yeah. So so that that doesn't hold up too well for me on DraftKings. Maybe on underdog. I have to, the further I the further and further I hear Davis going in to like stacking and like best ball and like tournament whatever nomenclature. I feel like I'm almost listening to someone describing like a Philip K. Dick novella or Dude, something. It, like it's like the ball, most best ball culture <laughs> has like become its own subset inside of fantasy football like it's it's gotten to absurd levels it's, it's, it's almost probably, like sci-fi language like it's a, it's very interesting to be honest it's quite fascinating it's not like healthy. lingo within ling jargon within jargon and i sadly uh understand all of it so i can't say i'm not i'm not any less sick than you just because i've done 90 percent fewer best ball drafts um not so ideal I, yeah <laughs> Well, shout out to Pete Overzet's best ball guy uh, video, which which captured a lot of this, like to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm sounding like like. He oh, was... yeah. You, you watch the video and you're like, maybe this career just isn't for me. Maybe I need to take take a step back because I, it felt like if you are in the, the best ball streets, that video felt personal. I know it wasn't made for me, but Pete Overzet making fun of best ball players felt like it was for me and not in a good way. It felt very painful. I mean, when he's talking about the Cornell Powell versus Byron Pringle ADP, like I know he's directly mocking me. I know he's directly (laughs) mocking me. Uh, Um, uh... I haven't been staring at Cornell Powell's name in my queue, by the way, for three rounds. Um, um, How is your draft going, Pat? Uh, I'd rather not talk about it. Uh, it (laughs) Um, How how, how many quarterbacks are we going to have? We're drafting three quarterbacks, right? Um, yeah, me 20... and Pat got into a, a big conversation about this the other in, day. In actually. a 20-round best ball turn, we're doing three quarterbacks, are we not? Am, right, folks? Am I right, folks? I mean, I would say it just really depends on how much you spend on quarterbacks. Like, if you take Patrick Mahomes and then, like, get Trey Lance, you did. should – Yeah, if you take Pat, like, Patrick Mahomes and Trey Lance, I would never take the third quarterback. I just, like, I think in – like, it's so – unlikely that that quarterback maybe contributes more than one or two weeks. Now, I think you could even argue that like Patrick Mahomes, Zach Wilson, Teddy Bridgewater, if you somehow got pigeonholed into that, you could even argue that you've spent so little on those guys that you'll need them to contribute two to three weeks that you actually want multiple of the back, back, back end 15, 16 round guys. But if you have spent, you know, what the third round pick or whatever on Patrick Mahomes and then the ninth or 10th round pick on Trey Lance, you you have already spent so much that if Derek Carr is getting into your lineup, you have already lost somewhere along the way. Like so, if he's getting in more than once. So I think it just depends how much you spend on it. What you're saying then is if I used the third round pick on Patrick Mahomes, no. I probably didn't need to use an 18th round pick on Mac Jones is what you're saying. <laughs> well, you should have taken Taysom Hill instead of Mac Jones. He was gone already. I actually had Taysom in the queue. I'm like, Taysom is falling too far. This is absurd. Wait, did you also get Trey Lance in the middle? Is that exactly? No, no. Uh, okay. I, I think the 12th or 13th. Who is my second quarterback? Yeah, uh, that's. I think that's that would be important. Like, I think if you have um, two. Oh, man. It was a whew. Uh, Mr. Carson Wentz, folks. Um, so I have Mahomes, I right. Carson Wentz, and Mac Jones. It does strike me as excessive. Um, I would say that's like that no, is still no, that's, a, a long. That's like the, yeah, yeah. That's a good combination of players. Like you have like your potential ceiling guy in Wentz. You have your you know best quarterback in football in Mahomes, and then like who knows what happens with Mac Jones? Like like he could not play at all. He could, like just who knows? Needed yeah, a football think- guy on the team. So we talk about the mindset a lot of you have to assume your picks are right. You don't have to assume your picks are perfect. You don't have to assume like, well, I took Zach Wilson in the in the 17th round. He's going to be the QB one. That's I wouldn't have picked him if he isn't going to be the QB one. Like there's, you have to assume your pick was right based on where it was taken. You have to assume that Carson Wentz plays 
good. He doesn't have to play. Like I, I riff Trey Lance because Trey Lance for where you're taking him, assuming he doesn't play the first three or four weeks, he needs to tear it up in the next 12 weeks or 13 or 14 weeks, I guess of the season to be worth that pick. Carson Wentz doesn't need to be like entering your lineup super often to be the, the quarterback you spent on. I think that at his price would be perfectly fine. It's really when you double down on like, I would say two quarterbacks in the first 10 rounds, I really wouldn't imagine myself taking any more. Like you could, I you could perfectly run, especially like I think the really interesting thing, given how much we've seen quarterback ADP shift over the past say two years, where we're feeling really, we've come back, we've come full circle to being comfortable taking quarterback super high again. It used to be uh, like a complete dead brain thing, and now it's like, oh well, the Galaxy brains, you just got to get that top quarterback. Where but, would where would Michael Vick go if he had the crazy <laughs> oh season? God but he had it last year in this, in this environment where we all feel comfortable taking, taking Lamar, taking Mahomes, taking Dak, like where would, where would he, if you slot it, what was it? The 2013 season where he had the, where it was just it was a little before that maybe is more like 2011, 2012. I don't remember. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go find it right now. I think but the where, year that where, he burned down the football team on Monday night football was like 2010 or something actually. Um, uh, yeah. Two, you were, you were right. 2010, uh, 3000 passing yards, 21 passing touchdowns and uh 1000 1000 rushing yards yeah, no I mean, he, six just a crazy year he would go he would go wherever probably even more wherever like lamar jackson went a year ago which was like top two rounds and like yeah we've come full circle on it i do think there's some interesting like i know we're kind of last year at least it felt like at a certain point like the quarterback position was pseudo solved like people were absolutely right to be high on josh allen at least the price was uh ended up not being too much kyler another one where like can we really pay this much for kyler the answer was yes the market really correctly predicted quarterback adp the market was right about dak too yeah exactly the market would have been right about Dak had he played the full season it was very clear about that so it wasn't uh a year where you could just say uh take the quarterback 16 and there's a decent chance you get the top five quarterback season and the question is do we think that happens again because last year was really i believe an outlier in that sense where we picked all of the quarterbacks we were like pulled all pulled the slots and got all the quarterbacks we wanted correctly predicted i think last year has to be at least some bit of an outlier we have a wealth of data throughout the history of fantasy that says like quarterbacks will randomly produce really good seasons and then just disappear again i think the rushing aspect of it really does kind of that's that's what changes is one of them one of them will the thing you're saying though can go the other way is lamar jackson randomly quote unquote had a 9.6 percent touchdown reasons touchdown season in 2019 what if kyler comes out rushes for 1200 yards and randomly flukes into an eight percent touchdown rate while running all those plays while completing all those passes same thing could happen for dak I would argue Josh Allen. I This is probably not a popular opinion, but I would actually argue we might have seen the best of Josh Allen. And I think the I I sort of feel like maybe the rest of Josh Allen's career is him going to be trying to recreate what happened last season. Well, well, Josh Allen, real quick. I mean, as a famous Josh Allen hater who got totally exposed <laughs> last year. Um, I do. I think like he's going to be the classic. Two things could be true. Like he could keep progressing, but last year, I mean, they had like all the hallmarks of a career year. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, like high touchdown rates, you know, like getting featured in the red zone as a rusher, like the team having no running game whatsoever beyond him. Uh, I don't know. Like it had the hallmarks of a career year to me, but like as a, a guy who will continue to be good, but like my, yeah, his like ADPs, like reputation could like be like inflated for like two to three seasons following that. Just like, cause it, we don't like to accept like a career year happening like early in a career. 
but I think that that is very possible. Uh, yeah, is, you are, you I are mean, accurate, like, I that's also going to happen, like, probably going to happen with Lamar Jackson. In terms of, like, his touchdown rate two years ago was one of the greatest, like, three touchdown rates in the modern era of football since guys threw more than 50 passes in a season. It's just that Lamar Jackson runs in a way that makes it perfectly sustainable for him to not throw at a 9% touchdown clip where Josh Allen doesn't rush for 1,000 yards. So I guess going back... Uh, like Davis, you, you sound like you have an opinion on this. Can you just take three quarterbacks in like, let's say 13th, 15th and 16th round? Say like, I, I don't really think Sam Darnold's that good, but like, say you think so you already have DJ Moore, you know, and Robbie Anderson, you take Sam Darnold at the back end and then you got Justin Fields and Tua. the, the pairing that I've always found myself getting on DK specifically is like Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller have back-to-back ADPs. They're almost the same. So if you have a pick on the turn that comes around them, I get both them and pick two up later, even though I think the roles in a sense may, may have some ability to overlap. If the offense goes, goes completely nuts Tua breaks out in a second year, it won't really matter given their ADPs that their roles potentially have some overlap. It could be, it could even be that Devontae Parker's role goes down. So could you go with the draft that is instead of having any of the first 10 rounds, I think like Trey Lance to me is kind of the cutoff of guys I think could just go completely nuclear. Could you go with three? I don't want to say mediocre quarterbacks, fantasy scoring mediocre. They could be very good real life quarterbacks, but they're not going to score like Kyler, like, like Lamar. Can you go with three of those guys and miss out on, like you said, that Lamar Jackson, 30 touchdown, a thousand yard season. Kyler has the same, or Mahomes can literally just go for now with the extra game, 5,600 and 50 touchdowns. Can you patchwork that together still in this new era of rushing quarterbacks? So I, I think that you almost have to, like, I think if you don't get a guy with rushing upside, like if you, yeah, it's kind of like after Lance goes, right. So then it's kind of like, well, you are behind the eight ball regardless because everyone else has at least two quarterbacks too. Like the guy who has Mahomes, the guy who has Dak, the guy who has Kyler, he also has a backup quarterback, right? All these other teams do. So kind of to give yourself the added uh, the added ping pong ball, you, I think, need to be taking a third quarterback. And you can even do it later than that. Like it doesn't even have to be a Sam Darnold. I, I've been talking about, you know, using bullets on Jameis Winston using bullets on Taysom Hill, you know, Ben Roethlisberger does go a little bit earlier on DK, but like Darnold, Zach Wilson is the one I know Karain is going to be in on this. I have this. a lot like, of Zach Wilson. Yeah, the the Zach Wilson dart, and he goes super late on, he goes super late on DraftKings. And you also, with him, you have the benefit of like, you can take Keelan Cole in the last round, you can take Mims, you can take Crowder, like you, you can like set up the backdoor stuff there. Same is true with Derek Carr, by the way. You can go Brian Edwards and... Derek Carr super late on in your draft as well. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York. Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The thing I like about Wilson is that he could end up being kind of a Tannehill type of rusher. So you're not necessarily like completely closed out to that type of rushing upside. I also like to get a lot of fields. I think he's got, yeah. you know, he could kind of have a Deshaun Watson type profile. Lance, I completely agree on having huge upside. I have a lot of Lance. Then the other guys that I have a lot of, um, this is mostly underdogs since that's where I've been drafting, but given the ADP here on DraftKings, I think it'll probably be pretty similar. Hertz and Wilson are going after, and sometimes a couple rounds after everyone else. It feels like the market is very confident that these two guys who share the same archetype as the other elite quarterbacks are going to you know, have the, the worst seasons of all of these guys that feels to me like where to place your bet. Like they fit everything we're looking for in an elite quarterback, but the market decided that they just don't have as good a chance of, of hitting that elite ceiling. I don't know that the market is going to be very good at predicting that part of it. So I, I kind of like taking the discount on those two guys. Yeah. I think that, I think that makes a good amount of sense, but I mean, just, just in general, I do think that, one, it's a little bit easier to justify with the 20-man rosters to take three quarterbacks. And then, you know, also the point, Corinne, that you've been making and that Leone made to me as well is no training camp yet. Guys haven't started to get injured yet. We just have no confidence here at the back end of the draft. Like, we're talking about splitting Byron Pringle and Cornell Powell exposure. Like, taking a taking a third quarterback over a wide receiver who, like, for example, Des Fitzpatrick. I, I was taking Des Fitzpatrick in these early drafts before the Julio Jones trade because I was like, who are they throwing the ball to? And it's like, I don't know, if I would have just been taking Jameis Winston there instead of Des Fitzpatrick, I'd feel a lot better about those teams holistically. No, so that hopefully you're doing things too, like taking Mac Jones like and then stacking it with Kendrick Bourne like I did. <laughs> well, the, yeah, and Keel Harry and Keel Harry just requested a trade, so I think we're looking at a big role here for Kendrick. I'll Bourne. say with Kendrick Bourne, by the way, I think he's going to be like the classic like Patriots player who has like a massive role that like no one wants to have a massive role, but like Bill Belichick wants him to have a massive role, so he will. Uh, just look out. Folks. You mean like all of the Patriots wide receivers last year? <laughs> I mean, or just for like every Patriot ever. Like I really wish this guy was not so involved in my life. Um, <laughs> but to the point of your your build, Pat, I mean, I was talking to Davis about this uh, a few weeks ago. I, I think it's a nice way to spend that last round pick specifically to the point of the championship weeks. Um, you know, we, we talked about that in relation to the stacks, that being important there. But if you have an elite quarterback like Mahomes, like Kyle's saying, those other quarterbacks are probably getting one or two weeks uh, total throughout the course of the season. But what if it's one of those weeks that helps you advance in the playoffs? And so to get a Mahomes and then take two really cheap guys, it seems like a decent way to spend that draft capital to Davis's point is, is not really worth much in the first place. I want to I want to ask you guys um, about how you're starting these drafts, because on the P, with the PPR setting, I'm a little nervous that I'm not going to have enough exposure to the top wide receivers on DraftKings because it seems like Gibson's falling to me in the second every time. So I'm like, ah, I'll take Gibson. That seems like a smash. The early running backs seem to go in a very strange order. Uh, I got Derrick Henry like in the middle of the first round, like the, I think 107. So I'm like, if I'm starting, and then starting running back, running back allows me to just kind of have flexibility throughout the rest of the draft and just like scoop value for the rest of it. So I've liked that. But that's not generally my preferred 
way to start a draft. So Davis, like what's, what's your been your approach to round one and two been? I mean, you know, like I am, I, because I, I don't like the dead zone running backs. I don't like to like when, when Clyde Edwards Hilaire was available in the third round, I was more comfortable with the wide receiver, wide receiver star, but I just, I, when, when you and I are, are drafting main event teams, then we can talk about wide receiver, wide receiver starts where I know we are going to be better at making waiver moves than everyone else, where I know that like we're just better at in-season management than the people we're playing against. I'm, I'm on board to start Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams or whatever. Like Sign me up. But in these leagues where there's no waivers, where you are absolutely required to be getting some points out of your running back position, like you can't, you can't have a week where you start – Matt Breida and, and Justin Jackson, like it's not going to, it's not going to work for you. I am starting running back, running back a huge chunk of the time. And the fact that Antonio Gibson is there a lot, the fact like you can, you can very comfortably start Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler, right. Or Jonathan, like, and even one thing I noticed, Kyle, I wonder if you've noticed this Saquon Barkley randomly just does not go. I have gotten, I have gotten Saquon Barkley at the turn before on on i don't know what it is i don't i literally i literally don't know what it is but saquon barkley randomly falls in these drafts so it's like that is just a no-brainer to me yeah i had a i had a draft um today i did one this morning so we were talking about this like we're all doing uh scott fishbowl and i have to for any show that doesn't involve scott fishbowl which is very niche subject recalibrate my brain to actually figure out like oh we're talking about drafting today i can't be talking about like taking nine quarterbacks or whatever like i can't be talking about what first round quarterback four tight ends in the first five rounds yeah exactly so uh yeah so i just fired one up this morning on dk and the exact same thing happened to to me where saquon barkley and i actually perfect uh that's a a good example he goes at adp 7.5 on dk and adp 5.6 almost two picks ahead and it's literally a perfect example though it is. I mean, it's one of the, it's the, probably the highest difference in the first two rounds, if I had to guess something like that. Aaron Jones is about the same difference. So yeah, I think uh, that's like the perfect example. And I do think, Pat, this is something you bring up a lot. He is the perfect player who, when you're looking at a tournament style strategy, like Derrick Henry is never going to outscore Christian McCaffrey if they play a full season because Derrick Henry doesn't catch passes and DraftKings also really incentivizes you to catch passes. I love Derrick Henry. He is uh, one of the few running backs that probably matter a a pretty significant amount. But for fantasy purposes, you are never getting this just mind-blowing season out of Derrick Henry because we saw it last year that he couldn't even outscore like Christian McCaffrey from two years ago. He couldn't outscore. I don't even think Alvin Kamara in PPR last year. And it was the best, like it was one of the best rushing seasons of all time. One of the few running backs to hit 2000. So I think for that reason, Barkley going later is even more valuable. I think Barkley is like one of the better, especially in DK because it goes two picks later. Two picks might not seem like a lot, but two picks in the first round is like you don't see those kinds of variations typically. So yeah, Barkley is the perfect kind of player where if he slips at any point, it makes I think it makes perfect sense to me because he is one of like, I don't how many players this is a good question how many players can actually contend with Christian McCaffrey to lead the league like in flex non quarterback scoring to me like Saquon Barkley I think Pat you talk him up a lot Antonio Gibson feels like the kind of player that like at the 99th percentile can hit that Derrick Henry just doesn't have that that's why I think someone like Saquon Barkley falling is so good because I think Saquon Barkley knowing how involved he can be in his offense has that contending with Christian McCaffrey can make up for the deficit if you don't get the 101 because I think it's a real deficit to not get the 101. I think, by the way, the Barkley thing is as simple as the one stray May report. I think it was one report that you know, he might not, they might not use him, you he, know, full he might not be back. early in the season. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it really is the one stray report 
was probably enough to depress his ADP. Kyle, are you generally taking running back, running back starts then? Uh, no, I have principles, so I don't actually take running back. Running back. <laughs> no, I do he, think he, uh, bought, he bought that shirt that Pete put for sale yesterday. Like <laughs> okay. he, he's really about it. Uh, no, I do think uh, I'm more agnostic to the start specifically because I think most of my strategy just falls to rounds. I mean, it's the dead zone and it's also how I spend on quarterbacks. So most of my strategy doesn't uh, like it will be dictated by not taking running backs in rounds three through seven regardless. So, I mean, if I can get elite running backs, I will. And like we said, Antonio Gibson, Saquon Barkley seem to fall a little bit on DK. But like, here's an example. Tyree Kill goes at almost identical spots in one format on underdog where you get a half point per reception and there are no bonuses. And in the format that is most perfectly tailored for him that gives bonuses for the games where he has 100 yards, his ADP should be like two or three spots ahead in the first round. And it just isn't. I, like I said before, I don't think DK drafters have quite adapted to how much of a difference that uh, that bonus and that specifically the full PPR makes. So if the receivers fall to me, like you can get like, you know, you can get the the AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley turn at like, you know, the not quite what would be 24 25 but somewhere around that bridge you can get those two guys if i already started with a, a receiver you know i got like tyree kill or something i'm not going to forego that because at the end of the day like i'm just going to absolutely pummel my opponents in the flex like having three dominant receivers and then getting fall them up with like a dj Moore. i'm just gonna pummel them there and yeah i'll totally be losing out on running back points how, how many wide receivers are you taking with these builds then i'd probably still get to eight nine i probably don't think you need to get up to ten but i think eight so i I, I think that there is a diminishing returns where like, okay, you know, you draft uh, AJ Brown and Justin Jefferson right on that, on that two, three turn or whatever. Yep. I, I, I feel pretty strongly that like adding uh two, two Atwells and, and Bam yeah. Jefferson's and things like that to those teams, I feel like you are engaging in diminishing returns and maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe one of these uh, young up and coming whippersnapper fantasy analysts who are better with graphs and charts than I am will show that actually like you're getting, I don't know, four, four starts a year on average from your wide receiver nine, even if you, even if you have Michael Thomas and Justin Jefferson. But my, my thought is not that I completely agree with the idea that wide receivers score more points wide receiver points are actually less replaceable because they don't open up on the waiver wire. This is just where you have to, I, I really do feel like there's a little bit of the rewiring of the brain from what we understand about weekly fantasy football to best ball. And I, I to come clean, this was actually a huge problem with my game last year. I didn't, I, I had an okay season last year, mostly because I got lucky on stacks. I like Diggs was one of my most owned wide receivers, but structurally speaking, I actually had a terrible year. I, I was making mistakes left and right. And I think one of the ones I did was you do kind of need to get some running back production early simply because you are, you're not getting your 19 points from Boston Scott, but you know, in the random week or whatever, like it just, you, you cannot replace that production and that has to change so much about what you're doing structurally. So then if you say get the, you know, the nut three wide receiver start where just the guys fall to you where they fall to you and you're like, I can't be, you know, I can't be taking, you know, Joe Mixon when Tyree Kill is on the board. Maybe you can't, but let's say you can't, you take through three receivers to start off three rounds. Like what, like not only how many receivers do you personally, Davis, end up taking, but what do you do for the next four rounds? Because you're left looking at the dead zone of running back saying, well, I don't want to take these well, guys. I would, I would lock in an elite quarterback. So doing that, I would, because I would only want to take two quarterbacks because I know that I'm probably going to be wasting some spots on running backs who don't get me any points. You know, your, your Darrington Evans is. 
style guys. Like I know I'm going to use a couple roster spots there. And I also think I would want to lock down Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, whoever it may be to, to ensure that I only have to take two tight ends as well, because then you're just in a, but, and, and also I, I have running backs who I make exceptions for ETN after ETN after ADP is the one who I view as like Dobbins from last year where he starts the year being useless and then comes into a much larger role over the second half of the year. And my guess is when Sean drops his zero running back list, when he, whenever he does do it, that Travis Etienne is going to be very high on that list. Maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong, but that is an early thought I have. I think you're right about that. And I think Javante Williams is another guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of make a detour for there. So wait, how many, how many wide receivers are you generally trying to build with your, with your typical start? Like, are you doing 10? 10. Okay. Yeah. Because, because I mean, so imagine a start where you go running back, running back, then maybe you take, you know, a CD lamb and Amari Cooper, whoever there in the third round, then you take another wide receiver. Then maybe you go Mark Andrews. Maybe you take an elite quarterback. Then you snag, you know, your hyper Rojo, your James Connor, your Tony Pollard, your Zach Moss. Then you earmark one spot for Giovanni Bernard, James White, Nike Hines, pass catching guy. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of have your two good running backs, your bell cow who sucks in Ronald Jones, Zach Moss, James Connor. Uh, well, sorry about that. And then and then you have Man, your, Ronald your, Jones, not a bell cow, doesn't actually get targets. So, yeah, your your yep. satellite, your sat your satellite guy. And then most of the rest of your spots, like 50% of your roster should be wide receivers, basically. Yeah, I, I like I also like the point about going two quarterback, two tight end, and zero running back builds. I've done zero running back builds on underdog, and that's strong my strong preference there, because you are gonna need to, to unlock those extra roster spots. I also have noticed that like Tariq Cohen, James White on DraftKings yep. available very, very late. So I like I like that thought as well of earmarking one of those guys because you're not really even having to to force it in. You know, it's like you just pick whichever one of those guys falls to you. Davis, I wanted to ask you about like there's a couple sort of ticks and tips and tricks type of things that you had brought up. Like one one of them was that you prefer drafting in the morning. Oh, is this that... is such a this is such a hack. I mean, and I'm not even talking about morning like nine o'clock. Like I'm talking about I wake up and go to the gym a lot of mornings at six o'clock in the morning and I join and you will have multiple auto drafters because someone registered for it the night before fell asleep, didn't wake up. And they're, they're sitting there, you know, drafting Tari Cohen because they're on, they're on auto draft or whatever. Like it, a lot of the times there are multiple, there are like two or three auto drafters. If you're in the very first one that goes off in the morning. That is helpful. One thing that I've noticed, uh, the one trick that I've found is that the, the vibrate on the phone isn't quite as strong as on underdog, but if you're listening to music, it will pause oh. your music. Oh. It, it creates a sound and pause your. It's a little annoying, but at the same time, it's, it does allow you to zone out, and then you you know you'll you know when you're on the clock. I would take the trade off the other way, even if it reduced my <laughs> ROI significantly. Because don't you dare interrupt my podcast. If I'm listening I, to something I just, I, just, I just leave the screen open. Like I I just I will just leave this because I've had bad experiences with the DK notifications. So like I'll just have my phone out leave the draft open you know you can do picture in picture on the iphone now so mm-hmm. i'll have like uh i'll have like I, for a while it was the euros games on so i'd have the euros in the corner with the audio on or whatever and then just track it that way so that you're not getting auto picked 
feel like I'm getting a peek behind a curtain into a world that is transgressive, you know. by the way. Then, yeah, <laughs> no, you don't. Know, this is this is this is not for dads. This is for this is for people uh, who who really should know better. The vibration be levels of the notifications. <laughs> we are really getting down in the weeds here. Um, yeah, so no one, one should this episode, please. One last thing <laughs> I swear I've noticed more on DraftKings is that, and I think it's just because on DraftKings, you will have people who aren't quite valuing stacks as much. You can also have the people who are just like, like Pat said, like at some point when you reach for your stack, you were just giving up value. And if the value is better on DraftKings, then you are giving up more. I swear to God, the past three drafts I've done, someone like I've had Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. You have no reason to be taking Russell Wilson. Don't look at him. Don't think about him. And someone always takes him. It just happens every time where I have what is going to be like, I've gone to the bank. I have told them like, hey, I have the, you know, the DraftKings millionaire kind of locked up. So just I'll take a loan out. I'll pay you back. And then someone like takes DK or takes uh, Russell Wilson if I have the two stack already. Do we think there's any validity to people not caring as much about stacking on DraftKings specifically in the way that it's hurt me? Eric Beinfors, um done some good work on this. He had a good podcast episode about this. Um, the idea that like he's more talking about like if you have DJ Moore and Ron, um, Robbie Anderson, you don't need to force that stack. But just the idea that like you now at least have you still have the Seattle offense stacked. Like if Seattle has an insane year, you're going to have an awesome year. You just have to figure out how else to get quarterback points. You know, you can still target Lance Fields, Hurts and get some of that rushing upside that way. So I, I think you're okay. I think the person who has naked Russell Wilson is actually the one in trouble. Like that person just burned twenty dollars. You're you're fine. Well, we are under the assumption that a lot of people are burning twenty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's oh, that's the hope. Here's one other good thing. So last year, this is actually will be an important note for DraftKings. Last year, DraftKings their contests weren't the the best balls weren't going to fill, and what they gave out a ton of tickets to their best ball contests. And people like didn't know, like, I, like people got like registered and didn't know they were in them or something. Uh, there was people who got tickets that probably didn't even know anything about football. So the drafts became ludicrously soft in the final month or whatever it happened to be. Davis, you probably know a little more about like the timing of it. But is like, is there any threat that, because uh, like underdog, you just don't have tickets, you don't have people getting free So they, stuff. they made a change to their terms of service that Perfect. you physically have to have made multiple picks that like the button had to has to be pressed for you to be eligible to win first place so or, or to win any prize money so i think that is going to like eliminate a bunch of drafts and i my guess is that they will probably turn marketing on for the best ball stuff a little bit like I, have you seen any marketing whatsoever at all for dk best ball i i haven't um, and so my guess is that instead of giving away free tickets that, well, they will probably do like buy one, get ones or things like that when it gets a little bit closer, maybe. But my, my guess is that it is not going to be as much of uh, a, a crazy scene as it was last year. Yeah, because last year was a legitimate concern that I drafted, you know, $500 of drafts in July or whatever. And then the August drafts, the August 17th drafts were infinitely easier to beat because people who had no business playing best ball or like didn't even show up to the drafts were in there uh and people were upset about that like i don't i don't know i, I think one is probably they probably learned their lesson from that and uh, i guess this also comes down to a point uh do you think the site you were playing on underdog uh dk even you know drafters do you think there are edges in the timings of playing at different sites like how i said it seems like the just the news cycle is sort of lagging on dk a little bit if you were, Pat, say, to allocate your best ball drafts by time, where would you be drafting and when? That's a really good question. I think because the other thing is the FFPC is in the mix here, too. And yeah. 
FFPC, the running back guys get like really pushed up. Like in some ways, I think this is the time to be drafting on FFPC now if you prefer okay. not to be taking running backs early. Underdog, it seems like maybe not the time to be drafting because it's like too sharp and we have not enough information. Like if you're going to be in a really sharp room, I'd rather have all the information. And then DraftKings sounds like maybe it's also the time to be drafting there now because of because we have some information that's not fully baked into the prices from from mini camps and that type of thing. Yeah, Davis, yeah. Uh, I, I think your strategy is just to get one draft in every morning, correct? I mean, I just want to get in. I mean, now that Underdog opened the five dollar, like yeah. it's tough seeing. I, I blew. I did seven drafts yesterday, like <laughs> without even really paying attention. <laughs> it was a holiday yesterday too, Davis. Um. I still work. I still I still worked yesterday. I still I still had work. I still worked yesterday, but I did too. I mean, it's just too easy, man. It's just too easy, and I am I am uh, the serotonin of a best ball draft. It is. I mean, there's really nothing like it. Nothing else gives you. Nothing else gives you quite the same serotonin. You're just celebrating your freedom as an American, just firing off seven (laughs) hundred dog (laughs) drafts. Are you guys slow draft or fast draft people? Is there, do you think there's an edge in either way? Cause you could argue that like the slow draft gives you time. Slow drafts are for cowards like Peter Overset who like have (laughs) to manage, who like have to manage their time and like keep an agenda of what they're doing during the day. I just habit stack like an alpha. Well, yeah, I can't, uh, like I can't, I don't have the patience. I'm like, oh, I need to see this draft through. Like I'm here to get this draft done and look at a team and be like, that's a winner right there. Uh, the slow draft just doesn't fire off the dopamine in my brain the other way. Uh, I know, I think you could argue though, that the slow draft allows you to better strategize for actually building a lineup that will take down a Millie maker size tournament on underdog or DK. Uh, it just doesn't, uh, my brain doesn't function that way. Won't let it happen. I'm a fast draft guy all the way. And I mean, I do some slow drafts just to kind of mix it up, but I had two slow drafts on underdog today and I was, I was on the clock. I made my pick. They're not fun. They're miserable. I, I got notified that I was on the clock. I was like, oh, I guess I forgot to put in my pick. Cause I pulled up the team and it was like the exact same team. Wasn't the, was a different team. I'm just quietly building two copies of like the same exact <laughs> team without realizing it. You, you so. want to, you want to know a team I've drafted at least 20 times already. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott in the first round, Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the second round, CD Lamb in the third round, DJ Moore in the fourth round, Dak Prescott in the fifth round. I've, I've probably drafted that exact team. Minimum 10% of my drafts start exactly that way. <laughs> You're the guy who runs the 150 train in the middle of the exact same cash lineup. <laughs> yes, correct. All right. I, I think we can uh, wrap it up there. Um, Davis, what do, what do you got going on? Plug, plug the stuff for the people. Yeah, uh, all my all my rankings and everything, everyone can find that over on sportsgrid.com. They can listen to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast that uh, basically I just message Pat like once a week and ask if he wants to do with me. And then, of course, uh, the Take Cast uh, updated, updated weekly. Always, always good stuff there for the folks. And what do we got on NBC Sports Edge, Pat? We got our team preview series still going hot. Uh, we've hopefully got some cranes. Well, you're going on vacation soon, so we might not be getting some strategy articles from you soon. And mostly... The team preview series right now. We have a new one going up every day, still for like at least the next three or four weeks. Uh, got some good strategy stuff from Pat already up on the site. We have a kick kicker article from Denny up on the site last week. That we doesn't good... sound right. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> Shocking. Um, you got Jack Miller posting some great stuff on strategy. Just great summer reading, especially from Crane and Jack Miller on like the summer strategy stuff. So go check it out and check out the team preview series, which we are all contributing to. All right. Uh, we can leave it there. Thank you guys all for watching. Uh, please like the podcast on on iTunes. Leave us a review. 
please uh, like and subscribe on YouTube. We will see you later this week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.